Let's talk about a defense of the UCP curriculum rewrite. As you know, within minutes of the UCP's pro, uh, proposed curriculum uh, becoming public, it was excoriated by critics, educators, academics, parents, political opponents, school boards. They've all taken their turn ripping it apart, saying it is a total disaster and should never find its way into a classroom. Of course, not everyone feels that way. There are those who find some merit in the plan, and we're happy to have one such proponent joining us this morning to offer a defense of this rewrite. And we'll see... If maybe, just maybe, there's something that we haven't heard yet. There's something that we don't know just yet that could change our discussion. Maybe not. Let's find out. Ashley Berner is an associate professor at Johns Hopkins University and a member of the UCP Curriculum Advisory Panel. She joins us now. Ashley, thanks so much for taking some time this morning. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. Um, you know, I'm not going to ask for your resume, so to speak, but I'm sure some listeners are curious as to how somebody from Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore ends up being part of this panel. Um, this is what you do, right? Education policy, is that's your wheelhouse. That's right. Our institute at Johns Hopkins uh, looks at curricula and structure and content, particularly civics education of school systems from around the world. So it's not infrequent for us to be asked to review or comment on the merits of particular curricula. Um, now, you recently wrote a piece titled In Defense of Alberta's Proposed Elementary School Curriculum. And I, let's just go through some of the points that you make. The focus um, is on content, not necessarily, I don't know what you call it, learning skills, I guess. It's, uh, some people call it just straight memorization of facts. Um, that is a major issue for a lot of the people in Alberta who have a problem with the curriculum. Why do you say in some ways that can be a very good thing? I, I wouldn't want to defend rote memorization, and I didn't actually see that when I took a look at the curriculum. Um, I think what what I find striking and is the the premise that knowledge is important, that content mastery is important. There's a very compelling research case to be made that particularly with closing achievement gaps between wealthy and low-income kids, first-generation kids, that exposure to background knowledge makes the difference. That the achievement gaps are, by and large, knowledge gaps. And in this sense, the United States school systems, in opting for process, over content have really done a disservice to our low-income kids. So I think it's, it's uh, well, I, I don't represent the government. I wasn't paid by the mm-hmm. government. I certainly am not responsible for micro decisions within the curriculum. I do support the underlying premise that a substantive knowledge build is important. Um, one of the other things you talk about, and this has been a, another uh, bone of contention for a lot of people, um, you know, the curriculum being pluralistic and, and, and uh, multi-layered, as you call it. Um, you know, uh, let's talk about Indigenous groups and Indigenous group education within this curriculum. Um, uh, a lot of the groups that are involved, like we spoke with the Métis Nation of Alberta last week on the air, who said that they don't feel like they were represented at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's mm-hmm. your take on how that component of the social studies curriculum is being incorporated? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it is important going forward for there to be a consultative process. I'm not here to defend the process that was put in place. Mm-hmm. I was struck when I reviewed the curriculum that the first grade was focused very much on Indigenous 
communities. And in, in fact, that one of the appealing things about the curriculum was in building knowledge, it didn't shy away from the hard questions and the brutality of sort of cultural majorities. Um, this is something that we look at in curriculum. Are there multiple viewpoints? Are there tough conversations? Are students scaffolded as they learn how to disagree? Um, this this seemed to me quite present in the social studies curriculum. I, I'm a former social studies teacher and my training's in history, so I focused on that when I did an informal review. Gotcha. Okay, so you're not so much talking about the specifics because there are people who are saying, well, we don't mention the fact that we essentially use Chinese slave labor to build the railroad, and we, there's no mention of Japanese internment. Oh, camps. they do, but but actually, they they do mention that. And um, you know, being from the United States, I'm particularly concerned about in my country the rise of nativism yet again, mm-hmm. and the deleterious effects that that has on our political discourse and on our citizenship formation. And I actually, I was, uh, I did note, take note of the fact that the enslavement of Africans, that the persecution of Sikhs, that the, um, you know, restriction, restrictionist policies towards Chinese, this wasn't shied away from in the curriculum. Now, it, it may be that it should be enhanced even more, but I certainly didn't find those to be absent. That it was completely neglected. Okay. Um, another no, issue is... It, 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 it actually wasn't. I mean, the Ku Klux Klan was mentioned, and um, this is very concerning stuff. I think it's important that the next generation know that nativism and populism have negative consequences. Um Age appropriateness. Uh, some of the things seem to be maybe uh, a little over the head of the students that they are being um, introduced to. Um, when you put together a curriculum like that, um, how important is that? I mean, a lot of people saying some of the concepts and some of the the subject matter is just beyond the age group that you're trying to teach it to here. Mm-hmm. I, this is uh, something that we struggle with in the states. We could learn from other countries that are probably do a better job of serving their kids. I think we under-challenge our kids. We, what by focusing on developmentally appropriate as opposed to really challenging students, you know, certainly in the United States, the odds of low-income children being given rigorous and challenging material is, is de minimis. And so I do believe that children are capable of handling much more rigorous content. But that goes to the heart, I think, of the real internal debate to education that I I really wanted to emphasize Mm -hmm. here, that content mastery and content knowledge is more critical than process. And this is a debate that's been, you know, the United States, in our educational establishment, Teachers College Columbia embraced this notion that process and skills were more important than content 100 years ago. And unfortunately, that still um, still an, an, an argument that we're having, but it's one worth having. And I think the, there is compelling research evidence that knowledge matters for closing achievement gaps. 
Should the, shouldn't the two work hand in hand? I would think. I mean, you for me, you need to have that foundational knowledge and then work with the processes, right? I do. I think that the knowledge is prior, and that one learns the skills of learning by engaging with real content. One of the researchers on this subject, Daniel Willingham, is at the University of Virginia, and he talks about the stickiness of knowledge, that the more we know, the more we can know. And that's why when we look at curricula and we see a sequenced and spiraled buildup of core content that should be inclusive and diverse, it should be pluralistic and so forth, that this actually enables future learning. Um, There was a study on United States test scores that came out recently showing that students who had been given more exposure to social studies content actually did better on basic reading tests. And that's because they have more content to make passages understandable. So, yes, I do think the process is important. The process should come as a result of engaging with really challenging and interesting material. One issue that, uh, and listeners are weighing in this morning, and it's the one I think bugs me the most. I'm not an educator, and I, uh, so I don't think that uh, you know I'm really qualified to weigh in on the, the pros and cons of the curriculum itself. But one thing that really bothers me, it seems to be pretty well documented that some of it seems to be, I don't know if plagiarized is the right word, but just lifted from the internet and other sources and things like that. As someone who works around educational policy and curriculum building, it seems to me like that's not the way we want to go about this, and we're not getting, you know, what we paid for. Um, Is that something you've ever seen before, and is that something that's in any way excusable? I, look, I, everything should be cited, and I don't know how the documents and the draft curriculum were put together, but absolutely, yes, they should be cited. And there are things that some of your, you know, Albertans wrote me over the, over the weekend, and one thing that was particularly striking, I think, and I agree with, is that I mentioned in my op-ed the religious literacy. Mm-hmm. It is important. One thing that, that needs to be made I would hope a little more evident is the non-religious worldviews. You know, most of our OECD partners require comparative religion and philosophy every year. Um, Most of our school systems in the States don't. So I think it is to the credit of the curriculum designers that they were building in systematic knowledge about what people think and believe. Secularism also should have its place in the curriculum. Uh, you know, there, there should be a study. Now, this may be more appropriate in secondary school. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But right, yeah. of, of Marxism, of libertarianism, of utilitarianism, of the different philosophical perspectives that also animate human life for good and for ill. I mean, this is not a black and white conversation. There's nuance and depth, and teachers are the ones who bring that nuance and depth to the classroom. Ashley, thank you so much for your time. Unfortunately, I'm out of time. I've got to let you go, but I appreciate you taking the time to join us this morning. Well, thank you for having me. You bet. That is Ashley Berner, an associate professor at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, and she is a member of Alberta's Curriculum Advisory Panel.